Hi, this is Patty Lapone. This is Allison Janney. This is Matt Balmer. This is Donna Murphy. This is Nia Vardalis. This is Jesse Tyler Ferguson. This is Beanie Feldstein. I'm Octavia Spencer. This is Ben Platt, and you're listening to Little Known Facts with my favorite person on the planet, Alana Levine. A-OK. Welcome to Little Known Facts, a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hey, I heard you needed inspiration. He's a lot of end friends with some revelations. Little known back to the day. Every little thing's gonna be a-okay. Little known fact about my guest today, she truly is American theater royalty. And also, because she got the flu, I made my Broadway debut. Welcome the extraordinarily talented, award-winning actress, Kate Burton, to the podcast. A-OK. A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is the stage and screen star, Kate Burton. Kate has starred in 15 Broadway plays and regionally in plays too numerous to mention. She became TV famous for her roles on Grey's Anatomy and Scandal. She's done so many movies, but some of them include Big Trouble in Little China, Present Laughter, Where'd You Go, Bernadette. She is American theater royalty. She's the daughter of British theater royalty. Her father is Richard Burton. Her mother is Sybil Christopher. Her stepmother is Elizabeth Taylor, and her stepfather is Jordan Christopher. She is married to the great artistic director, Michael Ritchie, who runs the Center Theater Group in LA. They, believe it or not, have two grown children, which is mind-blowing because I've known Kate a very long time. Welcome, my beloved friend, Kate Burton, to the podcast. Hello. Hello. Um, So happy. Okay. I have to cough quickly. That's how I'm going to start. Right. I'm all choked up. Um, so it's funny when you interview someone you've known and loved and cherished for a very long time because you have to do more research than you would for people that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I didn't know in all these years that you, Kate Burton, were not born in the USA. No. You were born in Switzerland? Correct. Yes, Why? I was born in Switzerland because... Um, <clears throat> Why did you never tell me that? <laughs> Darling, we never spoke about that in our times together. Yes. Uh, I was born in Switzerland because... Uh, My father, Richard Burton, in 1957, those were the years where if you were a British actor and you did a lot of Hollywood movies, you couldn't keep any of your money. You literally gave 
almost all of your money to the, the UK government because it was a time of intense, you know, socialism and, um, you know, the national health had been created. And so there were all, there was so, you know, you just gave all your money away. So many, many British actors moved to domiciled in Switzerland and France and other places as well. So yeah, so dad was one of quite a few actors who just hit the road. And my mother was pregnant with me when they went, which is sort of incredible that bless mm -hmm. her heart, she went pregnant. She was willing to do that, yeah. To a place where she didn't speak the language and never spoke the language, by the way. So <clears throat> yeah, so I was born in French Switzerland in Geneva Hospital, um, which sort of amazingly is where my dear dad died. So it's like, you know, kind of a wow. full circle. And um, I, I was born there. I lived there probably off and on for about three-ish, four years. And then uh, when my parents split up, uh, my mother always loved New York. And so that was it. We were off to New York. And so at the age of like four, I moved to New York City to the Carlisle Hotel for a brief period before we moved, uh, my mother, my sister Jessica and myself moved into the El Dorado. So 300 Central Park West, I grew up like Marjorie Morningstar and you know, that was it. And I'm a real New York City kid. I grew up in New York City, grew up in the El Dorado, um, went to school in New York, all my you know kindergarten through 12th grade and then went uh, to Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. So did your dad continue to live in your, like when you were growing up, did he ever move to the States permanently? Oh God, no, never, never. No, he was never, never, never. He was never, I don't think he was ever more than ever, you know, a visitor. I don't think he was a resident alien, nothing. My mother was, and I was, uh, we became American residents, but dad, dad was always domiciled in Switzerland pretty much for his whole life. Okay. Um, and, you know, he, but the, he, he had homes in Britain. He had a home in Switzerland when he was married to his, uh, my stepmother, Elizabeth Taylor. Uh, they, who says that? It's true. She was my stepmother. What can I say? Uh, she, uh, wonderful Elizabeth. She really was quite wonderful. But um, and you said she was wonderful to you. Heaven. Yeah. She just treated me. Well, you know, the step parent relationship can be really extraordinarily great. And I'm pretty blessed because I've had- On both sides. Uh, on both, oh my God. I mean, Jordan yeah. Christopher, who you mentioned, I was so happy you mentioned Jordan. Yeah. Because he so brought me up, my stepdad, Jordan Christopher, so much younger than my mother. Um, he was 25 when he and my mother got married. And wow. my mother was 37. Wow, yeah. scandalous. Scandal. Yeah. And then they had my my sister, Amy Christopher, uh, who is a tremendous human who yeah. runs the tape room in New York City and yeah. is a brilliant casting director. But um, everybody knows Ames. And um, are you close to your well, you have half siblings. You're you name it. Elizabeth you name half. it. I have them. OK, how I many, have them all. How many do you have all together? OK, so it's a real it's a big group. OK, yeah. so. Uh, there's my sister, Jessica, who is severely disabled and is in a home. Um, and that's my one real mother and father sister. Then I have, uh, and then my half sister is Amy, who is this, who's the child of my mother and my stepfather, Jordan. I have my wonderful stepsister, Jody Christopher, who's Jordan's daughter. 
she lives in San Diego. And then there's the Elizabeth Taylor department, as I call them. Yes. And there are four fabulous children, all of whom are I, I love and adore and I really grew up with. So Michael and Christopher Wilding, her eldest two sons are my stepbrothers, my stepsister, Liza Todd Tivy, uh, and then my half sister, Maria Burton, who is mom, who is dad and Elizabeth's daughter. Biological child. Uh, not no uh, adopted, adopted child, child. Right. but very close to all of them. Love them all. We have regular family reunions. Uh, nice. Elizabeth, uh, and also the other thing, and of course everybody knows this about Elizabeth, her commitment to AIDS research and education. So I've always that's always been my thing as well, and uh, I I will tell you why because when I was coming out of the Yale School of Drama in 1982 really was the beginning of, you know, where AIDS really started to become pandemic, a thing. And yeah. so I, it was our last pandemic. So I had my pals who I had known and loved and who suddenly were sick and with this mysterious thing. And then of course, one of my beloved friends, uh, McGann Robinson, an amazing actress. Uh, she appeared with Charles Bush in all his original productions, you know, Vampire Lesbians of Sodom and all. She was Incredible. just this genius comedic actress, brilliant person. And she and I had met at the Williamstown Theater Festival as, as uh, non-equity actors. We appeared together in The Greeks uh, with Jane Kaczmarek and Tony Goldwyn. I mean, it was, you know, it was a magical time. Gwyneth Paltrow played like dead children who we carried around the stage. She was like eight or nine or anyway. It was, you know, it was, it, she was like, a, she was, you know, lo a love, beloved friend who I feel was hugely, and she got AIDS. Mm. She got AIDS and I watched her leave this earth. And from that moment on, I was like, okay, that's it. Uh, that's my thing. So I, that has always been my thing. And Elizabeth uh, also lost her great friend, Rock Hudson, which is what started her on her trajectory right. with Reagan. And so as a result, what's happened is not only am I very close to her family, but her 10 grandchildren and I have, uh, gone to Washington together to lobby for AIDS education and AIDS research on behalf of the Elizabeth Taylor AIDS Foundation. And I'm also on the board of Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So that's my thing. Wow. And so it's kind of confluent and they're amazing. Her 10 grandchildren are some of the most extraordinary humans I know. And so it's a, just an incredible thing. And her legacy is staggering. She was always like one of the greatest. But what she has done in terms of helping that cause is, is off the chart. It's amazing that you say that because in my conversation with Judith Light on yeah. this podcast, she talks about how when she found herself, even before she had a large megaphone and platform, sure. it was really Elizabeth Taylor and her taking it on mm -hmm. and her sort of going, well, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not Elizabeth Taylor, but right. sort of this is what you can do. And if mm -hmm. you have a voice, you can use it. And as you get more jobs and your voice gets louder, and this is going to be my thing. It, you just really do, um, you know, once you find that thing, whatever it is that really, mm -hmm. that you must get behind, you know, it's just such a, it's such a clear moment. And I've, I've been so very, you know, gratified. Um, yeah. And I always say to Tom Viola at Broadway Cares Equity, if I say it's, you know, kick me off the board anytime, kick me off the board anytime. <laughs> yes, and he goes, yes. I don't want to kick you off the board. I'm like, no, you can. Yes. No, you totally no. can. And put on like someone fancy, you can give you millions of dollars. But I do, I mean, Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS 
is another organization that I cannot even, the other day I got a call from one of the folks who works there, Jack Noseworthy, and he said, he called me and I thought, oh my God, he's calling me. I called him right back. And I said, well, everything okay, Jack? What's up? Do you need something? And he went, I just want to say thank you. And I went, oh, oh my God, thank you. Thank, you're welcome. I said, I don't know for why, but you know, I do the best. Anyway, and I just thought, well, you know, and that's, it's, it's an extraordinary organization. And because, and here we go talking about where is live theater, you know, for those of us who do live theater, who remembers what that was like? Yeah. Uh, two years, longest I've ever not been on stage. Holy moly. Incredible, moment. yeah. Incredible. And so, you know, that sort of confluence when you're standing there on the stage at the end of your show and you're like, okay, everybody, we need to talk about Broadway Cares Act. Yeah. I'd say it's the Phyllis Newman, you know, breast cancer foundation that, you know, it's just, it's just such a, it's such a sort of, it's even more of a connection with the audience. You know, I, I, um, it's so, so amazing that you brought that up. I mean, the red bucket and all of the oh. things that go along with it. Um, someone asked me recently, like, what do you miss? Mm -hmm. And it's so hard to kind of, Oy let your thoughts congeal and come up, you know, it's like, I have to pick one thing, like saying oh hi to the God. doorman, like, where do I right, begin, I know. right? <laughs> um, but that, I was talking about that, that moment where you suddenly, you're still in your costume, but there's this moment where you and the audience are just no longer, you're not performer and they're not right. audience, you're in this thing together um, yeah. to raise awareness for this organization that saves and changes lives. You know, when I was looking uh, up Kate Burton in my Google, I don't know if you're aware <laughs> of Google. Um, I have heard of it. Yes. Um, there are all these incredibly beautiful pictures of you as a very young person with, with your dad and Elizabeth Taylor in the theater, right? Like yes. snaps Ma of you. We're seeing Ma Mame. I think it's Mame. Mame. Yeah, no, who was it? Who was with Angela Lansbury? We're seeing Mame. I think that was, yeah, there, there are photographs of us going to the theater. Okay. And, and I'll, a zillion photographs and you're the cutest but I really ah. thought you know we were talking about Laura Linney beforehand and different people yeah. who you know Talia Balsam all these people it was the family Talia. business right yeah. and so some people really run toward it and some people really run away from it your yeah. parents in particular um although there's the the Hollywood aspect of it mm -hmm. were were born and raised in and fed on theater that was always yes. there totally. they never moved away from that mm. um so obviously both because it's what your family did and it's what they truly loved your exposure to it started at a very young age right um but you also saw this is what a really fancy career looks like this is I, what a not, not fancy so, career. not so fancy career look no i really <laughs> i grew up it. with yeah i grew up with my stepdad who had been a you know had been in a band when he met my mom you know, and I mean, the, if you, what I grew up with was I grew in the house. I grew up with a working actor right? who was doing Jordan's career was actually pretty remarkable. He did a lot of he took over on Broadway quite a bit. He did a um, couple of shows on Broadway um, and he did a lot of television. He's a very handsome human. My mother happened to marry two extremely handsome humans. And she says, looks don't matter to me. And I'm like, really, mom? Because I'm shocked because your <laughs> husbands are two of the most handsome people yeah. I've ever seen, yeah. by the way. Um, so anyway. Uh, so, so is yours, was, by the way. Speaking yeah, of. He's a, he's a, yeah, he's yeah. an angel. I haven't seen him in so long. I barely remember what he looks I like. I saw a but picture anyway. of him. He looks very handsome. <laughs> he looks good. good. I'll, I'll look at that picture. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah. So, you know, growing up with a working actor and then on the juxtaposition and then on the other side, having my dad being, you know, Richard Burton, <laughs> but, and you know, that, you know, and in this sort of a really, it is a really interesting thing because by the time I was really cognizant of him, he was already a very major, yeah, major, major actor, a Hollywood star. But you know, when I was, you know, five, six, seven years old, he was already such a huge Hollywood star and the theater part of his life was not really that part of his life. Right. It was occasionally later on yep. when I was older and he was older and when I was deciding to become an actor. Right. But the truth of it is uh, when I went to Brown University in uh, 1975, I had no desire whatsoever to be an actor. So that did not happen for me until my senior year at Brown. And it was only because I randomly happened to visit uh, ACT summer school with my great friend, Nancy Carlin, who uh, was, was uh, at Brown with me. And her mother, Joy Carlin, had founded uh, ACT. She was one of the original founders. And I stayed with them in Northern California and went with her to class. And I was like, oh, huh. And I'd always done plays in school, you know, plays, a lot of plays at Brown. Uh, a lot of plays in high school at UNIS, United Nations School in New York. So you weren't afraid in an unprofessional setting, a non-professional setting, I should say, as Kate Burton to do a play. I was not afraid to do a play. I loved, I mean, those times that we did plays in high school, come on, they were some of the greatest experiences right. we'll ever have. Right. And so the purity of that experience, the conviviality, the backstage, the onstage, the rehearsal, the performance, that was all something that I loved and enjoyed. And I grew up with it. Right. I grew up with it. My mother of all the, the group, the theatrical group and my, all my four yes. parents, the circus. My, the circus, my mother was the one who loved theater the most. Mm. And she became the artistic director of the Bay Street Theater in Sag Harbor yes. with Emma Walton and uh, Stephen Hamilton. And the truth of it is she, she loved it. She loved going to the theater for her was the greatest thing, but she didn't love as an actor. She went to Lambda. She met my dad on a movie when she was 19 and they got married. Okay. Incredible. So the truth of it is she didn't love acting, but mm. she loved theater. She didn't, okay. she loved rehearsing. She loved backstage. She didn't love being so on the she, stage. So she, once your dad started, started working, she was not, she, she was just, content not doing it. She said, let him be the one. And okay. I will just be his incredible, you know, help me, help mate. Yeah. And she was, and yeah. she was. And so they, <clears throat> you know, she was on, on call. <laughs> mm -hmm. She was on call for the first, you know, they were together for 14 years and uh, had me and Jess and, uh, you know, and the truth of it is, so she was, you know, she was around for all the brilliant, all the Shakespeare at the Old Vic, all the Royal Shakespeare Company, all the first Broadway shows the first movies, the first Academy Award nominations that my mother was really. And then of course, my amazing mother, uh, you know, moved to New York with, as I said, with me and my sister, and then decided, you know, to start a nightclub because, you know, that's the thing you do. Anyway, so she became, she, she started a nightclub in the sixties called Arthur that uh, lasted for four glorious years from 64 to 68. And it was the I mean, I hate to say it was the precursor to Studio 54 because it was completely different, but it okay. was the it place of the 60s and Studio 54 was the it place of the 70s. So, okay. so you know, and that's what I grew up with with my mother saying, bye, honey. 
And I have a photograph in my bedroom of me in my pajamas with my hands akimbo, my arms akimbo going, where are you going? Yeah. And it's the first night of Arthur. And she said, I'm, I, we have our opening night tonight. I went, oh, okay. Well, anyone anyway, stay be home? home. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so. Was she, what, I mean, what a thing to do. First of all, I find it, I think about what family means to me. And when I hear these stories of, you know, was your mom Welsh also? Oh, yes. Okay. So I she didn't pure. have family in New York. No family. Like, there was one cousin, my cousin, Helen, uh, who, who now lives in Florida. I had one first cousin who lived in the United States. That was but it. as a single mother uh, in the middle of what was a very public divorce, yes. um, you Correct. know, uh, paparazzi were very interested. You know, this was probably one of the few stories that would match sort of how paparazzi behaves now, right? This oh, was totally. a worldwide... Yeah. It was obsession. a worldwide story. It was yeah. an obsession. Yeah. Um, so why did she go? Did, was she not close to her family? She was very close to her family, but she always, you know, my mother was a real maverick always. Mm -hmm. And I think as a little girl, even in her, in her family, she was a real maverick. She came from South Wales, from uh, the Romba Valley, which is near uh, Cardiff. And um she was the one who wanted, all the rest of them went to college and, and became teachers, actually. Almost okay. all her siblings became teachers and she was like off to drama school. And so she always had this very independent kind of ferocious um, spirit. She really did. And so moving to the United States, she had some wonderful friends. She made friends wherever she went. She was, she was never met a stranger. Um, mm. And she just knew New York. She hit New York in the 50s. And, you know, she would always talk about going to the opening night of West Side Story. Oh, wow. And, um, you know, and said, and then she saw it again the second night. She was like, I have to go again. And, um, you know, she'd made friends with those folks that are, you know, some of whom are still with us, thank God, but some of them are not, you know. <clears throat> and she, she just knew she'd found her place. Huh. She knew she found her place. And so New York for her, she didn't, she loved her family. We always went back there and saw them, but it was a brave new world and she loved it and she wanted it. Um, but the paparazzi, you know, <clears throat> interestingly, um, you know, people always talk about, uh, and they have very, very recently in the interview with Megan and Harry uh, about the British press. And the British press, for some, in I, you know, who knows why that is? Yeah, they are the most vile, vitriolic. When they choose to target you, there's almost nothing you can do. And I know, even though my mother was very clear about wanting to come to New York, the thing that really nudged her across mm -hmm. the ocean was the British press. There was one <clears throat> vague memory I have where during the whole imbroglio when my father and Elizabeth were getting together, um, they were sitting on our doorstep in London and one of them uh, rang the doorbell and she kind of didn't realize it was like a, a member of the press. She thought it was somebody else and she opened the door and there was some guy with a camera and you know shouting questions. And she said, oh my goodness, I, I really don't wanna to talk to you. Close the door and he put his foot in the door and wouldn't let her close the door. Right. And she said, it was kind of the moment where she went, that's it, I gotta go. 
yeah. gotta go. I gotta get out of here. So that's why she felt like in New York, there's something kind of, and dad always said this too. There's something about you walk down the street and a construction worker goes, hello, Mr. Burton. Yeah. And you know, that's it. Yeah. Keep going because in New York, it's a small, I mean, it's, it's, it's a big city, but it's a small, you know, Manhattan is kind of a small thing. And, you know, it's just, you see Kirk Douglas and George C. Scott and Maureen Stapleton and Elizabeth Taylor and Colleen Dewhurst, you know, you'll see all these people, these luminaries walking around and they're there with their newspaper and their cup of coffee, smoking a cigarette. Yeah, and so dad, life. and they're living their life. And yeah. dad loved that. And dad, dad loved New York. He loved visiting New York, but, but mom, she just was very clear. And she, she really, you know, it was an, she was an incredible, well, it was like listening to Laura talk about her amazing mom. It's, uh, it's this, it's, you know, we are very lucky to be brought up by these amazing women, you know, and kind of, and it's, and it's sort of, and it's the gift that keeps on giving because I see it in my daughter as well. You know, my mm -hmm. daughter had a very, very, both my daughter and my son, Morgan and Charlotte had a, had a very, uh, very close relationship with my mother, but you know, so it's, it, yeah, she was extraordinary. And that really was kind of what propelled me. And she was always very, very, when I said to her, uh, my senior year at Brown, oh, I want to be an actress or I want to go to drama school. Right. That's, that's what I said. Yeah. I said, I'd like to go to drama school. And if I make it through drama school, then we'll know, but maybe I won't even get into drama yeah. school. And if I don't get in, then I won't go. And then I'll do right. something else. Problem solved. Problem solved. Exactly. Yeah. And my father was like, please don't get in. Yeah. He was not <laughs> supportive. Oh, really? And he wasn't supportive, you know, and it's an interesting thing. And I, I think there is a difference between women, between actresses and actors. I do think that some actors, not all, but some actors have a very um, different relationship with their work as an actor because the life of an actor, and this is particularly for British men, it's, it's sort of not man's work in a way. Mm -hmm. It requires you to keep your heart open. It requires you to keep part of yourself sort of just alive and open yeah, to the world and, and you know a man's work and particularly if you're British and so you know it's a very interesting dynamic and I think actresses know how to weave their work into the fabric of their lives right. I think it's like our tapestry it's like a big painting and each thing is a dab of paint and our children if we have if we're lucky enough to have them are just these huge enormous many, many dabs of paint. And ultimately, like we're able to do our work as actors and be mothers and do other things. And it's, we're able to just, it, it makes sense to us. We know how to do it. When you I were feel. saying, I just want to follow the, the stream of consciousness that just happened sure. in terms of you explaining that. When you say particularly in Britain, meaning there's a, there's a, uh, for a second, I thought what you were saying, Ken Olin once told a story about like he's, he wanted to stop acting and became a director because something about his kid going like, well, you go to work and you just, your job is to get makeup put on you, right? Like there was something, he's <laughs> like- Something terrifying. No, no. <laughs> I mean, like, after oh, the makeup God. chair. Right, like, exactly. You actually have to do some other stuff. Um, but but were you saying like there's a stigma about like what is man's work and that artists are considered? I, I didn't really understand well, what you certainly meant. for my father's generation. Yes. Tell me about for that. my Just... father's generation. Um, the notion of, you know, my father was born in 1925. Okay. So 
I think, you know, he came of age, you know, he in 1945, he was 20. Okay. And in 1955, he was 30. And so I think when he, you know, it was just the notion of it's not a real job. I mean, okay. you have, having said that, I mean, look at the actors that come out of the empire of the stage. They're, Great they're, Britain. Yeah. The world's greatest actor. Or every you know. American TV show, the star well, is hello. actually... <laughs> And a, that's a another person. That's another episode. We'll talk about that. Yeah. But uh, no, it is, it is, um, I think there was a time where it was not theoretically considered to be the, you know, the, a real, a real job. It's, okay. you know, like you say, Ken Olin talking about his kids yeah. saying, daddy, do you go to work to have makeup put on? And yeah. I do remember as a child, by the way, sitting in dad's, you know, trailer and watching him have makeup put on. And you know, that's how I grew up because mm -hmm. that was what my dad did. Yeah. And I never thought, oh, what a stupid job. I just thought, wow, okay. And mostly my experience of it was sitting in his trailer, reading my, you know, my book as he was having his makeup put on, eating, you know, the snacks. Right. <laughs> always the snacks from craft service. Yeah. Always the biggest uh, reward of anything. And- um, <laughs> Forget the paycheck. Forget the paycheck. And, uh, and, you know, do you want to go to craft service anyway? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah. And I just thought I didn't know. And then I would watch, you know, because I didn't, as I say, my dad wasn't on the stage when I was a kid. So I would watch him make movies. And of course, you know, all, you know, if you make a movie, it's all little snip, 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 it's little bits. So it'll be like three or four lines and he's standing there and the camera's on him and he says it three or four times. And then you know, they take a break and then they move the camera around and then they do other things. And I, I remember just being like, oh, you know, yawning. It's endless. Yeah. Yawning and who cares and why would anybody want to do this? Like, right. it's cute that he likes this, but I don't right. get it. Having said that, now that I, I remember not even realizing until I was in the practice with Cameron Mannheim, my beloved. Mm. And I was sitting on the set of the practice in which I played DA Susan Alexander. Yes. And uh, by the way, so many lawyers have I played. Lawyers, secretaries of state, vice presidents. Yes. Um, uh, anyway, and I was sitting on the set, I was sitting in a little chair and I was drinking my little coffee and I was looking at my lines and I was doing whatever. And I thought, I just, I, I so enjoy this. I love mm -hmm. this. I love being in front of the camera, but I love all the sort of in-between bits. Yeah. Video village. Thought, yeah. Video village. And I yeah, thought, why the hell do I, it didn't even occur to me. It was like, why do I love this so much? And then I went, because you grew up with it. He was like, oh, oh my God, that's right. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, dad was an actor. Yeah, he was pretty famous. <laughs> he was a pretty great actor. Forget about famous. Yeah, but the fame thing. Okay, so then the fame thing is an interesting thing because it is one thing to be an actor. And it's another thing I would have, you know, to be a very, 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 very famous actor. And, you know, that's what I, because I, as you said, for, at the beginning of our conversation, I had working actor at home, Jordan, one of the world's most famous actors, dad. So, and then Elizabeth, by the way, as an added, as an added attraction. So, you know, I watched that. I also, you know, my mother's great friends were all actresses. Mm -hmm. And two of her best friends were two of the wildest women you'll ever know. And that was Tammy Grimes, the mother of Amanda Plummer, and Rachel Roberts, who was a great Welsh actress who was married to Rex Harrison 
for a brief mad period of time. And she was kind of a, I mean, she was not kind of, she was a brilliant, brilliant actress mm-hmm. who, was, who was a troubled person. Okay. And so those were the two actresses that I really grew up with. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm not like them. Right. I'm down to earth. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm just, that's crazy. So that's another reason why I was like, oh, acting so stupid. I knew I liked to act. I mean, acting was so much fun, high school, college. But, you know, it wasn't until my time, you know, the, the great thing about drama school, three years at the Yale School of Drama, and in my, you know, and, and, you know, the thing about when you go to one of these places, you're going with some of the greatest actors who will ever live. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was there with Tony Shalhoub, Francis McDormand, um, you know, John Turturro, uh, Jane Kaczmarek. You know, I mean, these are, these are mercurial, original actors Angela Bassett, you know, I mean, just, and so these are the people you're going to school with and you're what, and you're not sitting there in your class and going, which one of, which, who, who in this class is going to get Tony nominations? Who in this class is going to win two Oscars? I mean, actually, to be honest, the first year of Yale, I probably would have said, yeah, it might be Fran. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you would have been right. And I would have been right. I said yeah. to her at this rate, you need to win another Oscar when you're 80 because yeah. it's 40, 60, 80. Yeah. yeah, you know, but that's the thing. And it's, you know, and it's that thing. So the beautiful thing about development is you need to have the time to develop into an actor. Yeah. And I really did have that time to develop into an actor at Yale. And then I was blessed to work immediately out of Yale. And I was listening to Laura's Laura Linney's incredible interview with you. And I was an ingenue. I was a total eyes for ingenue. So I did play those ingenue roles. And it was classic. It was like 20s. In my 20s, I was the ingenue roles. Then in my 30s, I started to morph and played kind of interesting, more complicated, uh, supporting characters like mm-hmm. in Jake's Women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went, you know, with par- period with Neil Simon where I played his his wife, Joan, uh, you know, in, in different iterations, as you know, because you played yeah. them too. And, um, and I had known Joan growing mm-hmm. up. That was the difference is that because I grew up in show business, I grew up with Neil's kids and mm-hmm. um, Nancy and Ellen. And so I had played Joan. So playing the Jones characters was a real lens into interesting, complicated characters. Yeah. And so and then, grown just, up, grown up and then I, I literally yeah. grew up on the stage, but I, without those three years at Yale with amazing teachers, not all, but some, uh, that would, you d- have to develop properly, you know? And like that thing of, that thing that Laura was talking about with ingenues who don't have that ballast, what are they gonna do when they get to that point? They yeah. have nowhere to go. It's scary. And it's scary. And so here we are, you know, I'm 63 and I still am playing interesting, complicated characters, uh, all, you know, all different kinds. But, you know, again, the life of an actor is up and down and sideways and upside down. And the truth of it is, I couldn't tell you at the age of 24, when I came out of Yale, that I would play Hedda Gabler in, you know, when I was 40. And then I would play Ellis Gray in Grey's Anatomy and Sally Langston in Scandal when I was in my late forties and early fifties, and that I'm still, I, I, I feel 
I never take any job that I get for granted. And Mm -hmm. I completely know that I always have to work as if I'm starting from scratch. There's no like, oh, I can rest on my laurel smoking a cigarette, drinking a martini. No, there's always, I'm always learning stuff. I'm always finding new things. And you know, it's exhausting and I don't have the stamina I once did, I realized yesterday. Uh, when that alarm set, went off. When, when that alarm, well, that's why I said I'm always up at six because yes. at this age you have to stay, I get up at six every day yeah. because of the days where I shoot. Yeah. Then that thing of having to keep your stamina going from 6 a.m. in the morning to probably for 12 hours, Yeah. you might, and on Monday and Tuesday, I'm in every scene and right. that, is weird. That doesn't happen very often. So I have to say, but that's great that you're in every scene. Yes. Burton. yes. Is it? Is it great? I don't know. No, yeah. Okay. Like, Can't we spread it out a little yes. bit? All those young people. Or in the show? as the woman who it, uh, comes to uh, tidy up your, your hotel it's, room, Kate Hudson. Thanks. I'm Kate Hudson. <laughs> Thank you, Miss Hudson. I was like, wow, why does she think I'm Kate Hudson? First of all, she's, she's seen me, by the all way. Actresses. She's actually seen me. It's all actresses called Kate or Kate Hudson. Yeah. Well, that's how yeah. I will introduce this episode. Um, how do you, do you learn lines differently than you used to learn lines? Uh, I think so, yes. I definitely give myself more time. I mean, now I have like, you know, I've been learning. Oh, and by the way, thanks to COVID. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, on our show, Charmed, the show that I'm doing right now, um, I, uh, you know, in the middle of this, I'm also, by the way, one of little known facts about me, yes. avid, avid skier. I'm an avid skier. So I'm an avid skier. And so one of the reasons I love Vancouver, it's such a beautiful, beautiful city. But one of the things about Vancouver is skiing is literally minutes away. So wow. you can either go close right. or, or go to can, Whistler and, and go further or, away. Yeah, that's and that's, of course, where I went. And because I'm not a B.C. local, British Columbia local, I did not realize when I went to Whistler last weekend that I was driving into a covid hotspot. Did not know. Had not eaten inside for one year. Had not eaten inside for one year. In fact, the last time I ate inside was with Reed Bernie in this very hotel having lunch. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. And so I went. By the in. way, Reed Bernie, any chance to hear his name, he's going to be so happy that you just <laughs> mentioned Reed Bernie. Let's say it again. Reed Bernie. Tony Award winning Reed Bernie. Tony Award yes. winning, my darling. Yes. Love, love, love. Yes. Anyway, worship. But uh <laughs> so, so I went to COVID, uh, went to, I went to COVID, went to COVID. I, went, <laughs> I went to COVID wind mountain Yes, and I went, I was skiing and it was very intense. There were whiteouts and I was fearful. I was like, Jesus, fuck. You so know, it was I really just, fearful production when they hear this story. They hate this story. I told <laughs> one of this, I told one of the, there's a wonderful um, cameraman on Charm called Andy and Andy was in the Olympics three times for oh Canada. God. And he, I said to him, Andy, you know, I came, I got into a whiteout and he went, oh, that scares the life out of me. And I'm like, no, you're in the Olympics. Yeah. You do aerials in yeah. the Olympics. No. Anyway, yes, terrifying. And I went to the top of the hill. I was so exhausted by this terrifying run that I went to the top of the hill. And I'm like, I have to eat something. I've got to eat. And so you have, you know, you have to get reservations and blah, blah, blah. So I went in, got the reservation, stood in the long line, sat down inside 
And I was looking at people outside and I was like, I should just go outside. This is so stupid. Mm. But no, I was very, very hungry. And a little bit cold. And a little bit cold and, and sort of calming down. And yeah, so I ate inside for 20 minutes, probably like 15 minutes, I took my mask off. And of course, that set everybody into a total blind panic. And I wasn't feeling well on Tuesday. So I got to work and I said, I hate to do this. Yeah. But I'm not feeling well. And I also went to Whistler this weekend yeah. and took my mask off. Yeah. And they were flipped. So for two days, snow day, I sat on my couch. Quarantined. Um, so, so I learned a lot of lines. Yes. In answer to your question. That is the answer. I used that time to, to quarantine. So what I try to do. Yeah. I try to learn. I try to start like three-ish days before just so that because the problem with filming, as you know, you don't really rehearse very much. Right. So you've worked it all out in your house. And it's sometimes really, you've made really terrible choices. So, yeah. so the thing is that you have to be, you have to know your lines well enough so you can shift and change and morph. And it is kind of a rhythm. You fall into a rhythm of working. And and it's great if you can work every day like I am next week, but yeah. it's, it's challenging. It when is. you, when we talk about having not done a play, uh, for, for as long as you haven't well the the year of the pandemic obviously in the year before that it's because you were filming so much which is fantastic um which is fantastic but do you have a play in mind for when things do open up again and what would it take for you Kate Burton to get up on stage uh and feel safe enough I mean you who eats without a mask on Whistler during on the, the height of, of the Whistler. pandemic. So maybe you're not in the best spot. person to ask. Maybe I'm not that spot. person. Um, ah. Let's talk a little bit about that, like dream role for when things open up again um, and how would what would make you feel safe to do it? That is a very good question. Funnily enough, I was speaking yesterday with my wonderful, the wonderful Rupert Evans, gorgeous English actor who's in Charmed. And we were talking about, he's, he's went to Weber Douglas and we, we've always hit it. We've done a lot of wonderful actor. Anyway, he and I were talking about plays we want to do, funnily enough, just yesterday. Good. And he, I said to him, well, you know, I do know this certain plays are in my future. Mm -hmm. I know the importance of being earnest is in my future. I know uh, Long Day's Journey and Tonight is probably in my future. There are other plays that are in my future. Um, uh, and I, I said, you know, what about the importance of being earnest? And he said, what about the ideal husband? And you see, this is the beautiful thing when you're working in a television or film situation with a theater actor and invariably, we always have, when I did Where'd You Go Bernadette with Kate Blanchett, she and I talked about King Lear like the entire time. Right. Between oh, the shots. So fun. So she fun. said, don't you, she said, have you ever seen a good production of King Lear? And I said, yes, I have. I've seen Christopher Blummer. Mm. I saw that was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my whole life. And she said, was there blood? Is what she asked me. And I said, well, yeah, uh, I do remember a little bit of blood. <laughs> anyway, wait, but that's Kate Blanchett. Yes. The genius. Yes. Um, so we were talking about that. And, you know, so there are things that I'd like to do. I'm, you know, it is interesting as you get older. I mean, one of the biggest things, thank you, Harriet Walter, is that so many of us have started to play male Shakespearean roles. And I did have that experience and it almost killed me uh, of playing Prospera, 
in The Tempest, which mm -hmm. I did a couple of years ago at the Old Globe in San Diego. Wonderful experience. Oh, my yeah. God. Who directed and that? Joe Dowling, okay. the beloved, my beloved Joe Dowling. Um, and he and I actually, funnily enough, I was looking at a little notepad. I have lots of little notepads there you go. flying around. Lots of notepads, Virgo. From the desk and of Kate Hudson. From the desk of Kate Hudson. <laughs> I can't wait for Christmas this year. I am so excited. I know what so, I'm getting you. Keep going. You totally know. You totally know. <laughs> you made it so easy. Oh my God. And so, yeah, so, um, you know, I know that there are Shakespeare, there are Shakespeare roles that I'd love to play, but I also know Joe Dowling had spoken to me about a couple of Friel plays. And I've done a lot mm. of Irish theater yes. through, my, through my life there, darling. And uh, having, looking the way I do. Uh, and, you just uh, reminded me of your brilliance and beauty queen of- Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Beauty queen was a, beauty queen kind of, beauty queen and, and uh, an American daughter. American daughter. Were they consecutive? Uh, Did you they do were consecutive. Okay. I took over from Kate and I those two shows. And that's the thing about taking over. That's always a great thing. Yeah. I took over from Kate Nelligan and an American daughter. And I was pregnant with my American daughter. And then I had the American daughter, yes. Charlotte Ritchie. And then right after in my chubitude, I did the beauty queen of lean Ann. And the reason I was so excited about that was because I went to see it yes. at the Atlantic Theater Company with yeah, Maureen, before it moved. Maureen yeah. Mullen. Yeah. And I, she came on stage and I just had Charlotte and I went, oh my God, I could play this part right yes, now. Yeah. Today. And she, a dear friend, Gary Hines directed it, a dear, dear friend, love, love those women. And basically kind of began my odyssey about whatever, how many months it was later. I. I auditioned for Gary and um, I just, that was it. Mm -hmm. And so I developed this relationship with her that was fantastic. And so I did Beauty Queen and doing An American Daughter and doing Beauty Queen of Lean Ann made me realize I can play leading actors. Right. I can play you leading could, ladies. Grown up. Yeah. I was not comfortable playing leading ladies up until that point. Can it was very back? rough for me. So you replaced in Beauty Queen Yes, I replaced um, Maureen Mullen on Broadway. Right. But Gary, who is a woman director for people yes. who don't know, it's a, it's a yes. name that we think of as a guy, but she's an yes. extraordinarily she's an incredible. talented woman. Um, yes. Was she around for you when you were yes. put into that show? That's also an unusual. Were many people replaced at that time? So she yes. came back? Yes, there were three of us. Okay. So Anna Manahan, who would never have let anybody else play that role. She would have been like, Fighting them. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, love her so much. So Anna was there in that rocking chair. <laughs> yes. Incredible. I mean, I see it Wasn't as if it were yesterday. With that hat. Yep. I know. Forget it. In yeah. fact, that show, when that show started the Atlantic Theater Company and the lights came up and there was Anna Manahan with that hat on sitting on stage, I thought, okay. Here and Michael, go. who's Irish, yes. you know, went like, oh yeah, like that. And that was it. That was the beginning of a love affair. Yeah. Love affair. And so um, Anna stayed with, stayed with us the whole time. And then How lucky. what happened was uh, we had two beautiful actors playing the, the guys. And uh, so we, we first were just put, you know, when you put in, you usually work with a stage manager for yeah. a period of Here's the blocking. Get the nuts and yeah. bolts. Exactly. So that's what <clears throat> we did with our wonderful stage manager. And then in came Miss, Mrs. Mrs. Woman as Anna always called her. She'll be here soon, Mrs. Woman. And so here she was. 
And the That's first what she, she called the director, Miss, Mrs. Woman. Mrs. Woman, please. Don't get don't get me started on the Irish. So anyway, Mrs. Woman, here she is. So in she came like a you know, and Gary is a very short person, but not short but mighty. Mm. Oh my God, she's like a ball of fire. Anyway, in she comes. And she, the first scene of Beauty Queen of Lean Anne is one of the hardest scenes I've ever had to do in any play in my life. And it was hard. And she <laughs> literally, like, I would be picking up the cock. No. I was like, okay, picking up the plate. No. I was like, okay, well, okay, stop. Finally, after like everything I did was wrong. I said, Gary, just, just, just let me, let me, let me just try to find, you know, anyway, we, that's how we began. Anyway, I love her so much. And so we did it on broad, Broadway. We did it on Broadway, mm -hmm. Broadway. And that was three months, I think. Exhausting, oh my God. And I had just had a baby, so hello. Right. And I remember the first night after my first performance, I have this very large coffee table in New York. And I literally thought I could fly in my coat, my boots, my hat, and my gloves. And I could lie on the coffee table and fall asleep with and all my fine. clothes on with no pillow. Can I ask yes. you something? Because I think it would be interesting, especially for younger like performers. It sure. can be very intimidating uh, to, to continue to trust your process when a formidable, she may have been short in stature, but mighty. <laughs> mighty, um, fear, fear. Yeah, fearless. to, you know, some actors would start crying if that yes, happened. That some has happened. actors would just shut down mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. and never feel like they could trust their instincts. Right. Um, how did you, obviously you were a grown up at that point. So it's a little bit different with quite a body of work behind you, Kate. But yes, there, darling. How did you hang in there? Because you got to the point where you actually loved her as you've described her Worship. and would work with her 1 million times. So, and I did, I have right. worked with her 1 million so, times. So how yeah. did you kind of go, okay. Also just had a baby. Hormones are insane. Oh, don't even. And right? nursing, nursing. Nursing, right? Like Hello. you're your oh, shirts forget. have milk spots on them. <laughs> exactly. So like, I'm just curious, how did you hang on to yourself? If you did? I did. I actually did. I think, you know, there, I, as actors, look, as actors, we all have those moments where we are just don't know what the fuck we're doing. Sorry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> don't know what yeah. the F we're doing. That's okay. You can, you can take it out. Um, we don't know what we're doing. And, and thank God for those times, because if you knew what you were doing all the time, it would be pretty boring. And, you know, it's the old adage of if it were easy, everybody would do it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and it's not easy. It is actually yeah. not easy. And I, you know, I have, you have those moments where, and get, and Anna prepared me a little bit. Okay. Anna said to me, she's tough. She's really, really tough. And she- So you she knew told, not to take it personally. Exactly. This is how she operates. Exactly. This is yeah. her way. And yeah. I said, okay, but it was my really my first time dealing with her yeah. except for the audition and, or being directed by her. Anyway, so I just kind of took a deep breath and kind of kept going, which is basically when you're going through hell, keep going. Thank yeah. you, Winston Churchill. Yeah. Um, and that was it. And I just kept, plugging away and then eventually you see the chinks of light through the through the the clouds and and Gary's great because she's tough but she'll also if you say to her which I did I went okay wait stop please mm -hmm. just let me and he, she went fair enough 
you know? And so, so I did kind of make my way and I say, this first scene may suck for like mm -hmm. a really long time, but yeah. it'll eventually get better. And you know what? I ended up, uh, and, and we developed, we just developed a fantastic working relationship. So and also Mari Mullen was so amazing because she said, oh, darling, you know, she would say that first scene, I can honestly count on one hand the times I feel I've done it right. And she had played that part. You yeah. Know, you name it. She played it in yeah. 19 different cities. So that became the thing. But I had a long relationship with that play because I did it the three months on Broadway. And it, it really it was an incredible experience. And then uh, and then a few months, a couple of months later, Anna had visited New York because she had a doctor there that she loved called Harvey. I have to come and see Harvey. What a coot she was. <laughs> anyway, so she came in and she said, ah, you know, we're doing the UK Ireland tour. Mm -hmm. And I said, really, when are you doing that? She said, January of 2000, January of 2000. And so I thought, oh. So I called Gary in Ireland and it was like nighttime in Ireland, morning in the United States. And I said, Gary, you know, you know, I'm a British uh, equity. I'm a member of British equity, by the way. Mm -hmm. And I, I was hoping that she, you know, and it wouldn't laugh in my face because, yeah. you know, I'm an American actress. Um, but anyway, so she said, really? And I said, yeah, I'd love to, if you would consider me for the UK Ireland tour. And so that was it. And wow. she gave me, and so then I did the UK Ireland tour Incredible. and that was unbelievable. Yeah. It was incredible on Broadway. The UK Ireland tour was, I will never, I mean, that was one of the most extraordinary theatrical experiences I had. Uh, we had two new guys, Peter Gowans and Rory Conroy, Jarlath Conroy's nephew. And um, they came in and then we did, you know, we rehearsed in Dublin. We played at the, at the Cork Opera House the gaiety in Dublin for three weeks. Incredible. And then the Druid in Galway, in the theater in Letterkenny, Belfast, Waterford, and then five venues in the UK that I didn't enjoy as much. I preferred playing it in Ireland. The Irish have, the British obviously have an incredible, you know, uh, sort of appreciation of theater. Right. The Irish have it even in a different way. It's a different, also um, non-professional theater in Ireland is incredibly powerful and amazing. So community theater, if there's, um, and Ireland, Ireland is an incredible, I mean, Ireland blew my mind mm -hmm. and I had never spent that much time there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you cannot believe that this tiny little island, what it's produced, you know, four Nobel prize winners in literature, when you go to the Irish Dramatists Museum in Dublin, you realize that all your favorite playwrights, Oscar Wilde, Sheridan, they're all Irish. You know, uh, George Bernard Shaw, Irish, everybody's Irish. And so it's just, and that's why I've always felt drawn to them. I mean, I'm a Celt because I'm Welsh, so I am a Celtic person, but it just, it, it has, it was an amazing experience. And then after that, I did a um, West End, I did the West End for the one and only time I've done that. And that was the three sisters. 
Yes. My favorite, my favorite play yes. with Kristen Scott Thomas and Doug Hodge and all these amazing people. Hi, and I saw you in it. Hi, my name's Alana. Oh my God. Because I was over at the time. And oh I, my and God, that's right. It was such an incredible, it oh, it was incredible. I'm you so know, happy you saw it, Alana. I did. I I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I felt I so lucky. It was just the most gorgeous production. Um, amazing you know, experience. I was, I was thinking about how you know, when I was watching and sort of reviewing and, you know, ended up around, you know, 12 hours later, I'm still watching Grey's Anatomy just to catch up on your stuff. I'm like, thanks, Kate, because this show is, it's very good. <laughs> it's very good. Um, so Alice in Wonderland, you had done on Broadway and then they filmed it and your dad is in it. Yes. Um, and then I ended up watching last night, all night long, this sort of mini series called Ellis Island. Oh my which, God, you're kidding. And I'm oh. like, that's Liam Neeson. Like, then you're looking at like, and like Natasha is, Richardson is in it. Natasha she too. Plays, she plays a hooker. Yes. A they both Russian had teeny, hooker. Teeny, teeny roles. He's and they didn't know each other then. Unbelievable. So that's. They didn't know each other. That really blew my mind. And I actually, I think I texted John Hickey just like to see Liam you know, in, in sort of what would be the equivalent to our first law and order, like kind of yeah. a, a role that size, yeah. um, him playing the, you know, I mean, he the was Irish fantastic. Brigand. They were both- He was a terrible man. Yes, but, but so later um, you worked with your dad. Yeah, well, um, I worked, I was very, yeah, what was very great, my dad put me on film for the first time. In, in- well, basically, I was with my dad the first time I did film, which was okay. Ellis Island. Yes. So Ellis Island was my first time really in front of the camera. And my dad was with me. Yeah. It, it was unbelievable. He was, he was able to say to me. Yeah. Yeah. And, Faye Dunaway oh. is your stepmother. Once again, it has to be the most Faye beautiful. Dunaway. Yeah. Yes. She actually, she, uh, she was something. Yeah. That Faye Dunaway was something. That's, that's how but, it was. But, uh. Yeah, but uh, but Liam Neeson actually Liam Neeson told me a story. He said, um, "I'm going to say a bad word." Uh, okay. He said, "In the morning, we were there all in our little cute trailers, and it was you know dawn. It's, it's always so it's always dawn. It's always You're dawn always for the ready. Birds. It's always yeah. dawn wherever you are." Yeah, and uh, he's standing outside, and Dad had left, had gone outside. He was smoking a cigarette outside, and Liam went outside got outside of his he was probably one of those little single trailers yeah you know, with the single door and you like yeah. move in and you can't turn sideways or in holding somewhere who knew in hold, had. Yeah. In a holding it was a very small part yeah and he said he saw dad and he literally went there's Richard Burton fuck me <laughs> and I was like <laughs> and he told me that I think he told me that when uh, I think we were celebrating Lynn Redgrave, I think he was like, uh, and you know, yeah, it's just so, it's just so funny to think. And there was Natasha. And then yeah. I said that to, you know, here she was and she played, I remember they said, oh, Tony Richardson and Vanessa Redgrave's daughter is here. She's playing uh, the part of the Russian hooker. She has two lines, you know, some rough, rough yeah. and tough, yeah. cigarette smoking, bourbon swelling. Yeah. I mean, of course. She was yeah. getting ready for Sally Bowl. She just didn't That's it. know it She yet. just didn't know it and didn't know she was going to be with her future husband, well, by the way. Amazing. First of all. I can't I, believe you saw Ellis Island. I can't believe oh, it. And I actually thought it was, I mean, it was kind of amazing. 
I mean, it really I have is. To watch it again. You do have to watch it again oh because my God. everyone in it is incredible. I well, mean, Peter Riegert. Peter was Peter Riegert, who became one of my dearest friends. He is so charming in it and and so carries all the stuff he does um you know you're in your storyline for people who watch I mean it was sort of ahead of its time yes I was a lesbian I played a lesbian yes and a rebellious daughter and and you know there's drug addiction and but it really (laughs) is the immigrant story but but the scenes in Ellis Island um is that Julia Ormond I'm trying to remember who plays, um, not Julia Ormond. She's one of the Irish sisters. Oh, Alice um, Creek. Alice Creek. Alice, yeah. sorry. Yeah, because um, she had been in Chariots of Fire. I think we were all like, oh. It was a big deal. Oh. She was the, right? She was the big deal. It was um, the big deal. You know, just right now, any immigration story, any yes. story about people coming to this country yeah. um, and leaving behind just a desperate situation in hopes of finding something better and sort of, the lack of humanity often with which they're greeted it it's somehow it slayed me actually and so there's tv movie feelings in the film you know sometimes it's it's a little flat yeah yeah but it actually and you're fantastic in it and it moves me to see you just seeing you with your dad it was very moving I remember I'll tell you my quick story. So I met Kate in Jake's Women. I started out as a cover in the play and then I got to do the role. Um, But the first time I went on, uh, for people who don't know, when you're an understudy, you use the dressing room the night you go on of the person that you're, you're covering. And so I'm in your dressing room and it's my first time going on. And it was a matinee actually. Um, And your phone rings at the time you have landlines. It's such a big deal. You have a little fridge and a landline in your dressing room. You feel like you're at the plaza. It's so exciting. Um, And I answer the phone and I hear Kate and I go, oh no, this is Alana. Kate is not doing the show today. Um, And I'm going on. And I said, it's actually my first time. Complete stranger. I have no idea. And he's like, well, this is Nathan Lane. And Nathan Lane told me to go out there, kid, and go get them. And Aww. so, and he's like, and also leave a message for Kate that I called. But it was the like most amazing thing to have like Broadway royalty uh, give me this like send off. And then I just have to add that in order to enter stage left, it was where uh, it was the side of the stage, the doorman, you know, where you would enter the stage and there was a little guard desk by the elevator we took. They had an elevator. I took it down to make my entrance. And I will never forget Brenda Vaccaro (laughs) is sitting at the security guard desk with a bucket of chicken with like barbecue sauce everywhere because she had a while in between scenes oh, and she's yeah. like what are you doing I said oh I'm I'm going on and she said is this your debut because we had all been in North Carolina together we'd all yes. traveled like a company so she didn't even realize I hadn't been on before and I just remember she holds up Gee, her husband had dropped off Yay. some chicken and she holds up a drumstick and she's like, yeah, she's like, go get him. By the time go when I went kid. on, I felt like the more support than anyone could imagine. Oh. So thank you. Because of you, I made my Broadway debut Yay. with Nathan Lane and Brenda Vaccaro sending oh. me off. Um, I have to say something to you before we go. 
two things. One, you must come on again because I we scratch the surface. This is so much fun. When you described your mom earlier, the magnificent Sybil, mm-hmm. you talked, you described her as someone who never met a stranger. And yeah. I have to say, I could not think of a sentence that would more describe you, Kate Burton, oh. from the day I met you and just watching you in your life, the way you navigate every situation and how you meet people mm. is with the kind of warmth and generosity and your laugh, the most infectious laugh. And you. you have been and remained a, a true inspiration to me, your work ethic, um, the way you live your life, but also just the warmth with which you enter every room and make oh. everyone feel so oh, at home. Cry. You make everyone feel oh. so talented, oh. Um, like they can do anything. And, uh, you know, that time in our lives when we met doing that play in the early nineties, oh um, you know, that remains... Clinton was running for president. Do you remember he like walked past, do you, did you? I actually, he was hit the New York primary was like around our opening night. Yeah. And I remember standing on the street with my sister, Amy, and he walked by and we were yeah. like, hey, and he went, hi. hi. And I was like, oh my God, hi, okay. hi, Bill. Yeah. But you know what? That was an incredible time that we met um, for a lot of different reasons. In 1992, you know, it's, you know, and also- And, and Neil really, was so happy. I mean, Neil Simon Neil, was yeah. still- And those were the years vibrant. where it was- Right, Gene Sachs directed yeah. it. Manny Eisenberg the was the producer. The great Manny Eisenberg. The great Manny Eisenberg and the great Gene Sachs, the great Neil Simon. And you know, and our costumes were by Santa LaCosta. And our set. And our set. And our Hello. set. And Sweet Jay Binder casting Jay it. Jay Binder. Yeah. Yes. And the truth of it is that was a glorious time. That was a glorious time in New York City. That was a glorious time on Broadway. Yeah. And also Alan Alda. Yeah. And Alan Alda, you know, talk about number one on a call sheet. Number just one on a call everyone sheet. Everyone feel he he. Do you remember how he would gather us in the green room every day, every night before the show, yeah. just to start the family vibe? Yeah, and yeah. he was, you know, and this and let. And I think we can honestly say, and we all loved everybody. It was not the greatest play you've ever been in in your life. But you know what? There were things in it that were hilarious and things that were wonderful. And you put and, Joyce you know, Van Patten in your play. It actually you, is the best play you've ever been in. That is true. <laughs> and I sat, I sat, with, you know, first we had our family reunion always mm-hmm. downstairs before the show with all our, the great dressers, yeah. remember all those great yes. dressers. And then I would sit with Joyce pretty much almost every day for about 15 minutes and just listen to the wit and wisdom that is Joyce Van Patten. That is her life. And I think of things she said to me at that time, every day, right now. And, um, you know, and we just, and, and, and Alan showed us how you behave when you're leading the leading person yeah. in the show, what you do, how you take care of the rest of the play, Absolutely. how you make sure that everybody is heard and happy and then his fabulous wife, Arlene, who worship. And I just think of the times we had together in North Carolina, on Broadway, in LA. It was just, it was, it was incredible. I mean, it yeah. was an incredible experience and sort of how lucky were we? And that's the, by the way, the longest run I've ever done. Yeah. Is Jake's Women. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. 
on on Broadway and uh you know and we were and you know I Tracy and I just worked together the other day and we saw each other at dawn the great Tracy uh, saw each other at dawn yes the great Tracy Pollen. or even them meeting her and Michael J Fox who was it, I know who was Michael J Fox already yeah, and, and how he was how I will never forget this and then I have to go um and you have to go show uh, the I know. TV show yeah. um I remember that Tracy, they were still living on the Upper West Side before they moved to the East Side. And she invited us all to her apartment to do yoga, which at the time was a very new concept. And we walk in and you go, I grew up in this apartment. Can you believe it? You were like, that was that, that was 300 Central Park West, the like, El Dorado, apartment 16B. That was the apartment I grew up in. Your face, I just remember, because we just walked in and we got out of the elevator and we're laughing and Tracy's having us over for yoga. Okay. For yoga, of course. And you just went, that was my room. Anyway, I'll never forget that. Amazing. I love you. Full circle. Full circle. I love you too, honey. To be continued. To be continued. Thank you for doing this. Darling. Hey guys, one more thing. Have you been considering contributing to the podcast? Well, I for one would be so grateful if you enjoyed this episode or all the hundreds of episodes I've made in the past and all the episodes that are coming to you in the future and want to donate a little something, just head over to littleknownfactspodcast.com slash donations. It couldn't be easier to do. No donation too small. Every donation just filled with gratitude from me. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Until next week. Clouds can make the wind blow. Bugs can make the grass grow. So, there you go. These are little known facts that now you know. The episode was edited by Nicholas Klar. We recorded in New York City. And the Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded by Georgia Famusa with backups by Caleb Famusa.